I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. All right, welcome to this emergency episode of the Touch em All podcast. And we're also streaming live on Facebook because we just want to hang out with people who stayed up late to watch the extra innings victory, the walk-off home run by the White Sox, knocking the Angels out of the postseason race, meaning the Twins are the only team standing, meaning, Derek, not only is it happening, it happened. The Twins are officially a playoff team after losing over a hundred games in 2016. So how long did you wait to use it happened? Cause I, I, I feel like, and I've only been a 1500 ESPN for four years now, but I feel like the jig around target field and for sure with some twins fans has been Phil might've jinxed this thing when he said it's happening. How, how long have you been waiting to dust off? It happened. Uh, I feel like, Somebody already suggested that we should have T-shirts printed up, like the "It's Happening" T-shirts, but but yeah. have it happened instead. Uh, so <laughs> maybe we missed an opportunity for cashing in on on the Twins' unexpected success this season. But yeah, uh, yeah people are chiming in here on the on the Facebook live feed. Nikki Delmonico for president. <laughs> uh, ben chimes in and says, "Pretty damn cool." And somebody else, uh, the comment floated by here, but somebody else said, "There's shades of the 1987 season." And, you know, you and I weren't alive for the 1987 season, but there's just something about this team that feels different than than some of the even some of the playoff teams when they were winning more games in the regular season. I can't put my finger on it and they might get beat 15 to nothing in the wild card game against the Yankees and uh, and end the season. But I would say no matter what happens from this point forward, it's worth a standing ovation, even if they get beat fifteen to nothing in their in no their question. only playing. Like it, it, all of this is house money, and um, and and tip of the cap to to the Twins for proving a lot of people wrong, including you and I on this podcast. Right, no question, no question. I'm not even going to be cynical and point out that everyone keeps saying first team to lose a hundred in history and then go to the postseason. Well, yeah, there's been two wild card teams in each league for all of five seasons now. I'm not even going to point that out. This is not the night to point that out. This is a fun and exciting season for the Twins. I personally, we talked about this before, Phil. I don't think this is where it ends. I think that the Twins, yeah, they won't be the favorite in New York, but I had a Yankees fan (laughs) tweeting me earlier today. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but uh, they basically said, I'll take you through the whole story. It's boring, but I'll take you through it. So somebody said on our last podcast, I'm too verbose that I, I have good points, but it takes me too long to get to them. I'm like, you know, I, I sometimes agree with that, but I'm also guilty of that. I think both of no, us are guilty of that. No, In fact, let me digress for five minutes before we get back to your point. <laughs> yeah, right. No, 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 quick. I have a tangent that I have to explore really quickly. Uh, no, the criticism is totally fair. It's totally earned, deserved. So I tried to be succinct in my points and say quickly, like, um, okay, I'll stop being so verbose. I said, the Twins could maybe win in New York, but we'll see, or something like that. And a Yankees fan got a hold of that tweet. I don't know if they were, I don't think they follow me. Maybe they were just searching Yankees in the search bar or something. And they retweeted it and said, 
dude, this is no joke. People here locally are sleeping on this Twins team, and it could wow. definitely happen. They could come to New York and win. I feel like my Yankees are being a little bit too cocky. And so just so you have the New York perspective, that's uh, Twins fans – that's kind of where it stands right now. I don't think the ride the ride necessarily ends. Not only did the Twins clinch here tonight with the Angels' loss, but Miguel Sano also took some batting practice. So yeah. don't look now, but it might be happening. So what what would be now that we know Miguel Sano took sixty swings today, and he's progressing toward maybe taking more swings later on in the week, and and Derek Falvey told reporters in Cleveland earlier tonight that he has not ruled Miguel Sano out for that wild card game. Do you think they'll put him on the 25-man roster? I mean, they don't have to make that decision until, what, Sunday night sometime? Or is it Monday? Yeah. I don't know what the time window is for submitting a roster. This is all very new, these playoff things. Uh, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of 8-year-old children who don't know what it's like to watch baseball in October here in Minnesota. But wouldn't it be cool if Miguel Sano was on the postseason roster, at least just for the one game, uh, the wild card game, and we had some kind of a Kurt Gibson moment where he came limping out of the dugout <laughs> really unable to do anything but just swing for the fences, and you saw him hit a ball 450 feet to uh, to put the Twins in front in the top of the ninth inning or something like that. I mean, that that yeah, would be uh, about the only thing that could advance this, this story forward and make it more uh, unexpectedly magical than it's been already. That's right. The craziness factor at that point would be going through the roof. Now, I keep having flashes of Kyle Schwarber. Obviously, you know, a different situation and... I thought it was really unique and, and creative, but also, in hindsight, sort of just intuitive that the Cubs were able to get him in some Arizona Fall League action and then get him ready for the World Series. That's a great point, yeah. But I will say, I think that 60 swings, and we'll see if he's sore tomorrow or has swelling or anything like that, we're a long ways from out of the woods with Miguel Sano. Would you put him on the roster just for the intimidation factor? I mean, I could see it. Like, that, that'd that be the only reason. Maybe he doesn't even take an at-bat, but you have him in the back of your mind as like, shoot, I've got to keep a righty available for Sano just in case he wants to come up and pinch hit and hit some bombs. Maybe you're thinking about that if you're the Yankees. I, I looked at the Twins roster, Phil. We talked about this yesterday. Um, what their wild card roster might look like, and I just don't think they have enough position players to really overload that side of things. So I put a bunch of pitchers on the roster, with that being said, are you really going to use 11 pitchers in a one-game wildcard scenario, barring something crazy? No, probably not. So if you just want to use the extra roster space and you're deciding between, like, Adalberto Mejia as a third lefty or, like, Nico Goodrum as a possible positional flexibility or Miguel Sano as a loaded gun who may or may not play, like... That gets pretty interesting, and I'd be curious to see which way the Twins go on that. Well, like, the only thing you would need from Miguel Sano... You would you would tell him if you don't hit a home run or draw a walk, you're gonna you're just gonna literally walk out of the batter's box. If you hit yeah. a ground ball up the middle, if you hit a ball off the wall, you're right. walking to first base. And if you get thrown out from the warning track in center, we just want you to swing for the fences or walk back to the dugout. Or if you draw a walk, walk literally walk to first base, right. and wow. Zach Granite can come in and pinch run for you. I mean, do you just send him up there in the walking boot and just give him a big bat? <laughs> just kind of be like. Do you, do you hey, think? Do you know. think Miguel Sano could hit a bomb inside that bandbox ballpark with a walking boot on? Because I wouldn't put it. it there's a to, to steal a phrase from you. It's non-zero chance. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, I've seen the guy take batting practice. I think you could put, give him some flip flops and like 
swim trunks and set him up there against a pitching machine throwing like split fingers and he'd find a way to hit home runs it is a little different though phil this is this is all fun and very exciting i'm not trying to be wet blanket buzz killington here but it's very different hitting home runs against a pitching machine or a batting practice pitcher than it is against Luis Severino, who I'm sure he wouldn't face, but Dellen Batansis, Aroldis Chapman, Chad Green, Adam Warren, uh, who am I missing? Tommy Canely, David Robertson. It It's a pretty daunting task to go into New York and try to win that game, but I do think that offensively, the Twins are going to have the matchup advantage with or without Miguel Sano, and so maybe we're even spending just too much time talking about him, but in a day of exciting news for Twins fans, I think that Miguel Sano is just sort of like the icing on the cake. It's the sugar on top. Hey, on-air production meeting, can you do me a huge favor and just tweet yeah. the link? We're getting. I, I, I didn't realize how many people are going to be hanging out watching this Facebook Live video, but it looks like there's a lot of you up late hanging out with us. Dan Edwards, hashtag it's happening. Uh, I saw Sam. Yeah, just send a tweet out, Derek, that, that points on people. On-air on production retort, I've already tweeted it from my account and shared it from awesome. 1500 SPN. Right We're on. All over. Uh, Sam says, Mackie, you're goofy giddy. And uh, and that's rad. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the first time we've really had a chance to to celebrate the twins in any form since 2010. And to to, to what you're saying, let's go back in the weeds here on yes. uh, on lineup construction and and one game wild card game roster construction. Adalberto Mejia is so interesting to me. Roy Smalley pointed out on Twitter tonight, and I'm sure he said this during uh, during his his pre-post or mid-game hits, he has amazing stuff. I mean, the guy the guy has major league stuff, and it moves all over the place, and he's got secondary pitches, and he makes hitters look terrible. But he's driving a, he's driving a high-end sports car and has no idea what half the knobs and switches do on the interior. Like, he can't reach the pedals. He goes 2-0 to every hitter. I think he only threw first-pitch strikes to 6 out of 18 batters. So he's one of those guys I don't know if I would put him on in a in a one game situation if he's going to be coming out of the bullpen. I just don't know if I trust him to not walk the bases loaded. Yeah. Um so I but but I know you need lefties. I also think you have to prepare for some doomsday scenarios. I I feel like too many people think of these one game wild card games as well you only really need one starter because like are you really going to use 11 pitchers in one game? And the answer is probably not. But if you don't at least prepare for that 15 or 20 inning marathon, you don't want to get stuck with no pitchers after the 12th inning in a do or die game. And so my question to you is how much would you plan on the 2% doomsday scenario of 15 inning game or, or Irvin Santana takes a line drive off the shin with two outs in the second inning and he can't continue on, right? I mean, you, have, you almost have to plan for those things to some degree. I would spend the next 72 to uh, 96 hours losing sleep over that very question. Yeah, I think you count on length out of Urban Santana. You think he's going to give you five, six, seven innings. And honestly, that's a fair expectation. Go into Yankee Stadium, be the sort of calming veteran presence that he's been for most of the year for this twin, sort of the rotation stabilizer. But there's still a chance. You mentioned line drive off the shin. How are you going to protect against that? Well, you better not be caught with your pants at your ankles. you got to have some starters on the 25-man roster for that wild card game. 
Mejia is an interesting case. I would definitely put Barrios on that roster, and I'm tempted to put Gibson on there too. One of their better ground ball guys, even though he's not used to coming in in the you know sixth or seventh or twelfth or thirteenth inning, could possibly happen. And postseason is the time that you throw all of your horses, and, and you don't want to hold anything back, especially in a one game winner take all scenario. So Mejia. Mejia, I'd consider just because you probably want another lefty behind Taylor Rogers and Buddy Boshears on the roster. But like what you saw with Mejia tonight, I'll, I'll I'll take the sports car analogy one step further. Have you ever driven uh, manual transition transmission, or are you mostly an automatic guy? Uh, I'm I'm mostly an automatic guy. In fact, the last time and only time I drove a stick shift, I think was in. Uh, the parking lot of an elementary school in Brooklyn Park with my dad teaching me as a 15-year-old, yeah. and I ran into uh, a light pole in the parking lot yeah. and damaged his yeah. vehicle. So, yeah, uh, I hope that doesn't train wreck your analogy. I understand how that goes, so I'll I'll work around it. But it's like the Bob Berger. I'm, I'm tangenting again. but it's I, I, was, I was Gabrielle Moya, basically, in that yeah. parking lot, just kind of herky-jerky right. and yeah. nervous. Yeah. Yeah, your dad called a balk on you, actually, I heard. That was the report. <laughs> um, we, the thing about Mejia is he is a sports car. I, I wouldn't call him like a Ferrari, but like, you know, he's got a high-performance engine, but he's afraid. He'll, he'll drive it in first gear. There's that nice change-up. He'll drive it in second gear. He's got a fastball that he can spot sometimes, but he's afraid to upshift into third gear and go fast. He doesn't want to go higher than 25 miles an hour. So he's kind of just like driving along there and you're hoping he can maybe get through five innings and then dive out of there, go over to the bullpen. You can't have that. Like if you need a guy like Mejia on the roster, it's because you need a lefty for a one out situation. And after what we've seen since he's been healthy, like, yeah, he's on a pitch count, but I think the reason that they're pulling him early is not just pinch count. It's you don't really trust this guy right now. The fact that he's 2-0 and on every hitter, 3-1, and and he's got to get a desperation fastball over just for a strike so he doesn't lose the guy, that's a problem. You can't have that in a postseason matchup where you need one lefty out. So for that reason, I'm definitely going with Taylor Rogers and Buddy Bo Shears as lefties. I don't know if you can stack another lefty on the pitching staff after that. On the starting side of things, though, just for length, I think you're more than covered by having Irvin Santana, Barrales, and then maybe even considering... Something that's a little unconventional and going with a third starter, having Kyle Gibson on the roster as well. Uh, let's. Uh, I, there, there's a comment I want to get to from Chad here in the Facebook live feed that I think feeds into the next phase here for the Twins. But real quick, I just want to throw a shout out to uh, one of our main sponsors of the Touch 'Em All podcast and of also the Mackie and Judd show. They keep our mics on, which might be a bad thing for some of you and drive you crazy, but uh, Luther Brookdale Toyota is the car dealership and the service department that my family and I have been going to for a long time. And so I recommend go check out the 2018 Camrys and Corollas. There's a lot of new cars coming in on the lot. And go check out uh, the brand-new stadium, if you will, the uh, the Luther facility that they just built a couple of years ago. They gave basically the best front office and the best players in the game a, a brand-new stadium to work with, and that's what you see on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. So Luther Brookdale Toyota, uh, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, and thank you to those guys for keeping this podcast and our content pumping on a regular basis. Uh, Chad chimes in here in the comment section, Derek, of the Facebook live feed. The Tigers were supposed to blast the Twins in 1987. One game is game on. Anything can happen. And obviously the Twins took four games against the Tigers, who had a much better regular season record. Here's the beauty of this point forward in my mind. 
baseball in small chunks is so wildly unpredictable. Even if you're talking the worst teams in the league versus the best teams in the league. You know, on any given night, if the Phillies are playing the Dodgers, if the White Sox are playing the Astros, the White Sox and the Phillies still have like a 35 to 40 percent chance to win those games. The worst teams in baseball. So the Giants, the Tigers, the White Sox, the teams that we are that we are you're firing front office leaders and you're firing managers. Those teams still win 40 percent of their games because baseball just takes a long time to figure out who the best and worst teams are. And so. If the Twins just play at a high level for the next two to three weeks, they can beat teams like the Indians. Well, they can for sure beat teams like the Yankees once next Tuesday. But they can also, this is going to sound kind of crazy, they can also beat teams like the Indians and the Astros three times in five games or four times in seven games. Are they favored to do that? No. And I think maybe the, this is maybe a talker for later in the week. We're going to pump out a bunch of touch them all podcasts between now and the wild card game. I think I trust Irvin Santana. I think you have to trust Jose Barrios. Maybe the most important figure here for the Twins is Kyle Gibson, because if he pitches well, now you have three viable starters if you can get past the Yankees and into the ALDS. But if he doesn't, it's going to be really tough to go up against Corey Kluber and Carlos yeah. Carrasco and uh, and the entire bullpen that they throw out there. But it's well, uh, but you, this doesn't just have to end with the Yankees game. Now that you're in, it's baseball, and this is one of the best lineups yep. in baseball. This team, we did a whole podcast on this like two weeks ago. This team can win the World Series, which is crazy to be talking about considering where we were a year ago. And I'm watching right now Derek Falvey and Thad Levine are in the clubhouse uh, getting champagne in their eyes. Brian Dozier is on Fox Sports North right now, uh, and th- and they're celebrating and pouring champagne for the first time since 2010. It's cool to see. And they should, and rightfully so. I mean, they've earned this celebration. I think that's fantastic. Uh, uh, on the Indians matchup, it's going to be interesting because Salazar sure looked like an ace early tonight against the Twins. That high fastball up in the zone, nobody could catch up to it, not even Brian Dozier, who's very good at that. Um you said Kyle Gibson is the most important matchup. It triggered a question in my head because or, or the most important guy or pivotal guy. Obviously, you know that you're fast forwarding a little bit because we both agree Irvin Santana is the most pivotal twin over the next calendar week. Like, yeah, he, per- he he's got to beat the Yankees or someone has to bail him out. Yes, if he if he doesn't give you seven eight good innings, suddenly you're relying on a. a well, a very good offense, but you need to outscore the Yankees. They're going to throw, oh, by the way, a guy who's probably the third best pitcher in the American League right now in Luis Severino, and then maybe the best bullpen of this year. I, I don't know statistically if that holds up, but like for sure the scariest in an October matchup where you've got five guys that you really don't feel good about going into a clean inning. Um, so Irvin Santana's number one with a bullet, but my question for you and I'm actually just using this as an idea generation because I've got a couple columns in the works and I want your help with them. <laughs> October X factors for me for the Twins, you could go up and down the roster. Like It's fun to look at other teams' rosters and say, hey, this might be a tough guy. Uh, you know, What does Severino bring and how can the Twins counteract that? That's like a fun column to research and to write and to interview people for and stuff. But I'm also kind of always just like inward focused on the Twins throughout the season and now I'm just thinking of the roster like off the top of my head. There's You could easily name five guys that are what you might call October X-Factors. Even if October's only one game in a wild card game, 
it starts with Irvin Santana for me. I guess if you have any to just rattle off a couple of guys that you think might be uh, pivotal, uh, pivotal Twins players, whether it's the wild card game or even just stretching this thing out a little bit further. What the heck? Why not? So, yes. and Okay. How deep in the bag do you want me to reach here for this take? Because Dude, I, I, I think go in order, but we can go super deep here before we hang up on this podcast. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back my way into the player that popped into my mind. And I'm not saying he's okay. the most important X Factor, but I All saw right. something in the first game of the Indian series last night. And the Twins won that game. But the game was tied at four in like the sixth inning, I want to say. And the Indians had a runner on second base. It may have been first and second base with one out at that point. I, I take that back, with nobody out. Runner on second base with nobody out. And the Twins had, like, I can't remember which relievers. I want to say it was, like, Michael Tonkin and maybe – I'd have to go back and look. It doesn't really matter exactly the, the particular relievers because I can tell you the Twins' bullpen enters the last weekend of the regular season among the weakest strikeout rates – in the entire league. Now, it's gotten better with Trevor Hildenberger and Buznitz. It's gotten better in the second half of the season. But here's what happened. Fly ball to right field for an out. That runner moves from second to third. And then with one out, fly ball to, I believe, center field, scoring the go-ahead run to make it 5-4. to four. And you might think, oh, well, I mean, you know, reliever came in, runners on first and second, nobody out, limited the damage, right? Got a couple fly ball outs. But the Yankees and the Astros and the Indians are getting strikeouts in those moments. And if you allow a runner to go from second to home without a base hit and you just allow contact to to move those runners around, that matters in the postseason. So it's not, I'm not just like screaming into uh, – you know, I'm not just like screaming at a tree or at a wall – telling you that strikeouts matter. Like That was a tangible example of why strikeouts matter, and even if you're getting outs, getting an out in the air is not the same as getting an out with the ball hitting the, the catcher's glove and the batter walking back. Runs can score if the ball is put in play. And so with that said, one of your best strikeout relievers is Ryan Presley. Hmm. And Ryan Presley, I know he gave up a home run to the Indians in Game 1 of the series, but Ryan Presley has been pretty solid for the last five or six weeks. I believe he has a 3.4 ERA over that stretch and more than a strikeout per inning. I would not put him at the top of my bullpen pecking order by any means, but I think in terms of getting a big out and having a chance to actually miss bats against big-time lineups here, starting with the Yankees, you're going to have to have a guy like that come in and put out fires if you want to advance in the postseason. So Ryan Presley popped into my mind because he can get swings and misses. How's that for going deep in the weeds for you? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you just grabbed like the 15th most important player in my mind. But But not necessarily. I mean, I know it depends on the situation, but if you're sitting, if, if you're, if you're playing the Yankees and that's a lineup that, 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 absolutely boosts pitch counts for starters. And so you can't expect seven or eight innings out of Irvin Santana. And so if you get into a spot with like two outs in the sixth inning and Santana's at 98 pitches and you got runners on first and second with, yeah. with nobody out, it's not, and, and the game is tied at three, it's not good enough to get fly ball to right field, runner moves over to the third base. Like you need to limit runs and you need to limit contact if you want to take those steps. 
there's a Yankees fan in here dominating the comment section. So thank you to the rest of you for taking care of that uh, so that we don't have to. Kenny, um, is it Kenny? This Kenny uh, yeah. Lavasser. Kenny, are you related to Marcus Lavasser? Just to, just out of curiosity. MMA sure. fighter. I ho- if you are, I hope I hope he puts you in a rear naked chokehold for all of your <laughs> for all of your Yankee takes. <laughs> um, all of the takes. Uh, but so there's here's a column I've been sitting on for like three weeks now that I just it's the timing hasn't been perfect, but it's just it needs to happen now. I mean, October X Factor. I mentioned Irvin Santana. How about Trevor Hildenberger? Uh, we saw Andrew Miller pitch here the first two games of the Indians Twin Series, and by no means am I going to compare. Hildenberger to Miller, but in terms of the way their manager uses them, similar in that probably the team's best reliever, not necessarily the ninth inning guy. Mulder told me a couple of weeks ago when I started my groundwork on this column, he basically said, yeah, honestly, it's been going really well. Every time I bring him in, it's just hard not to trust this guy. And he kind of paused for a second. He said, you know, I look for the most important spot in the game that we need a relief outing, and that's usually when I'm going to him. And that, to me, spoke absolute volumes. I mean, it's how modern-day managers are using their ace relievers. It's not like you're the ninth-inning guy, you need to rack up the saves. But to me, if the Twins are going to go into Yankee Stadium and beat them, they need two things, and probably more. They need to score runs off Severino before they get into that bullpen. Irvin needs to have a decent start, if not a great start, and then you're probably counting on at least an inning and maybe more out of your relief ace, and that's Trevor Hildenberger right now. I, I think you need to plan on scoring at least five or six runs in this game to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. In that okay. ballpark, I'll, I, I'll never forget, as, as I you know try to project what's going to happen in this game against the Yankees, when you were in the Bronx last week and Aaron Judge hit a pop-up to right center field, a pop-up that would have been caught in front of the warning track at target field. And the ball went like eight rows deep. I mean, the fact that in this lineup, that lineup has always been, to Brian Cashman's credit, tailor-made, whether it was Curtis Granderson hitting little pop-ups to the corner, uh, even like Brett Gardner. They just they know how to play to the strengths of their own ballpark, and that's just hit fly ball after fly ball. I think you have to plan on scoring five or six runs. And the reason why I mentioned Ryan Presley instead of Trevor Hildenberger as an X-factor is because like I, I'm with you, and I agree with Paul Molitor. I just consider Trevor Hildenberger your best relief pitcher, and I consider Irvin Santana the best starting pitcher, and I consider you know Brian Dozier the best hitter. And I think if you're the best, or if you're relied upon, I don't know if you're an X factor. So we might be splitting hairs okay. with semantics in that case. But Fair enough. yeah, well, consider this. So the reason I asked you the question. Yes, it's for the viewers. Yes, it's for the listeners of the Touch Em All podcast. I'm also just looking for ideas for columns this week, Phil. Help me <laughs> out here. So, so put in that context, think about it from the top down and give me like two or three names of guys that you think could be important. Not only necessarily wild card, but maybe fast forwarding a little bit. I'll give you three and it's, it's Irvin Santana, it's Trevor Hildenberger, and it's Jorge Polanco. I think you thought I was going to say Byron Buxton, but... Jorge Polanco, for me, has still been a little shaky at shortstop, and if he has a clean game or, fast forward, clean series and continues to be a powerful force in the number three spot, he's a huge contributor for the Twins, and they're going to need that from him the rest of the way. Yeah, how about that bomb he hit off the foul pole? Just kind of a little little shot across the bow to the Indians, and hey, we're, we're still here, we're going to lose this game and all, yep. but you know, we're, we're still hanging out here. They've... I, 
Yeah, I think I, I like the guys that you named, and I would I would I think X Factor is throwing me off, but I think Eddie Rosario. Uh, yes. I, I've, I don't think I've been more wrong going back to my opinion on him two years ago on many players than I was about Eddie Rosario. I just didn't sure. think he got on base enough. I thought his his approach at the plate was almost impossible to overcome. And credit to him, credit to James Rousen for uh, for getting him to tighten that strike zone and and really just hone in and become a better hitter this year. Yeah, but uh, right. but let me let me just let me take what you were saying and Jorge Polanco and the home run he hit. I think whatever happens in this throwaway matinee game when the Twins are going to be all hung over, like it doesn't matter. I think <laughs> the Twins, the Twins went into the home ballpark of the best and hottest team in baseball and one of the hottest and best teams in modern baseball history. When you look at what the Indians did last year and what they've done to this point, they're going to win a hundred games. And they punched the Indians in the mouth in that first game, coming back to win it. And they sent a little shot across the bow with Jorge Polanco hitting a home run in the ninth inning, relatively meaningless. But I just feel like they know that they're not necessarily as good over a long haul. They know that they're not going to bring like a Corey Kluber to the fight, but they keep punching. And they and they sent a message, I think, to the Indians. And I'm not a big like, you know, I'm an analytics guy, and so I'm not a big send a message, uh, rah rah whiteboard material guy. But I think reference points matter in sports especially if you don't have a lot of experience in these big playoff games. And so if they beat the Yankees and they have to then play the Indians in a postseason series, I think there's some value in punching the Indians in the mouth in their home ballpark that could help you if you were to advance to the ALDS. Yep, so Jorge Polanco is sort of the boxer in the 10th round or whatever. He's like getting beat and probably going to lose and then just gives you a pretty good shot to the jaw just to remind you that, hey, this is still a fight. And to your point, I think Brian Dozier's home run was significant yesterday. The fact that they probably should have lost that game. You go into Cleveland, one of the best teams in baseball with a good bullpen. They should probably shut her down and, and you know, just clamp down on that game and win it. And Dozier doesn't let him. He gets the two guys on base in front of him, hits a three-run jack, and he was pretty pumped up. There's a guy who... He does sometimes wear his emotions on his sleeve, but he's also like even keeled when he needs to be. That was a pretty significant home run for Brian Dozier from the perspective of developing reference points. And now you're not worried necessarily when you're down two runs. That's one thing. I mean, that we could just stretch this podcast on and on and on. It could be an all-night party. So not to make that the case, but one of the things that I've noticed about this team, Phil, is that last year you could be down – uh, you know, I'd be watching a game in the target field press box. They're down 3-1 in the sixth inning, and I'd have five thoughts column done. It's written because this game is over. They're down two runs in the sixth. They got nine outs left. It's it's just finished. They're cooked. And this year, I can't think of a game, no matter the bullpen, no matter the matchup, no matter how badly they're getting tormented by the starting pitcher, that I've thought a two-run lead was insurmountable or yeah. a three-run lead or in some cases a six-run lead. I sat there in the fourth inning where typically, you know, this inside baseball, but like writers will start to get their story done if it looks like the game story's been written. If they're not going to tell you anything else, I'm going to get a head start on getting some writing done. There have been times where the Twins are down big in the fourth inning, and I'll open my laptop and be like, no, hang on a second. And I'll close it back and I'll just go back to my scorebook and wait (laughs) and see what happens, and I'll be taking notes because. Sure enough, this team doesn't lie down and quit. In 
one game samples, maybe. But you look over like the stretch of things, there is I, – I know I keep hearing the buzzword, so I'm just borrowing it from the Twins. They keep using this, but I, I think it's true. Dave St. Peter said it on the broadcast postgame today. Derek Falvey has been saying it for weeks. I heard Thad Levine say it in like July. This team is resilient, as resilient as I can remember. And I think to me, that's one of the things that stands out. And so anyways, long-winded point. That guy that said I was too verbose is not going to like that point. (laughs) The guy guy that said you're too verbose checked out about six minutes ago when you were halfway through your point. No, no, no. I think he's like, hey, welcome to another Touch Em All podcast. And he's like, nope, I'm gone. Um, but to me, that Brian Dozier home run in terms of reference points, in terms of, you know, sort of almost a social proof that you talk about that, hey, yeah, we might be in Cleveland. They might be statistically the better baseball team, more talented, more cachet. They went to the World Series last year. We're down two runs. They've got Andrew Miller. Doesn't matter. They're going to st- still try to take good at bats. Guys on base, and as Jorge Polanco showed tonight, Brian Dozier showed the night before, that's enough sometimes. You just keep chipping away, and you never know when you're going to uh, uh, cut away that lead. Yeah, they are the they are the Rocky Balboa of Major League Baseball teams. They just sort of Who's keep that? taking punches. I know you've never seen a movie, but he was a boxer. and oh, yeah, okay. he's, You can Google it. It's, it's, it's nice. very, very exciting. Uh, but but they they are the Rocky Balboa of baseball teams. They just keep taking bunches and moving forward and coming at you. Uh, yeah, Andrew chimes in here. Thanks, Derek and Phil, for making me stay up way too late. I've got to work in Hudson tomorrow. You guys are bleep holes. And i got to work <laughs> in the morning, too. And you got stuff to do, so let's do this. I know there's a bunch of people still in this chat, but this will not be the last time we do Facebook Live or a Touch Em All podcast. And if you're new to the Touch Em All podcast... Uh, we've been doing this for like three years, and this is the first time we've been able to do it You know, with the Twins actually being a playoff team. And so this was a fun episode for us. We appreciate it. Go check us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, find us on 15hardyspn.com slash podcasts. And uh, that's a wrap for tonight, but we're going to come back. We're going to have an official 25-man roster, I guess, uh, projections the wrong word. I think what, what we would do if we were writing out the 25-man roster. We'll do that either tomorrow or in the coming days here. So, Any final yep. words from you without being yes. too verbose? Yeah. So do you have like 25 minutes? It'll just take me a second. <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say, I know it's late. Everybody's got to get up and work in the morning. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who came in to hang out with us. This was a lot of fun chat. We'll have to do one of these again sometime in the near future, Phil. Right on. All right, that's it. Twins preparing for a playoff showdown with the Yankees. And as the Twins re-enter the playoff fray seven years later, can we all agree, what better team to stare down than the Pinstripers? It's going to be super fun, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Touch Em All. See you guys. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.